Namaste and welcome to another edition of the Bharat Vartha Weekly. I'm Roshan Karyapa. I have Neerav Kanodra as well with me to discuss the news and events of the week that was. And what a week. I mean, we have a lot to discuss. The GST collections hit an all-time high in March. The US Deputy, Deputy National Security Advisor Dalip Singh had a few comments on India. Uh, the Foreign Minister S.J. Shankar's uh, exchange with uh, his counterpart Liz Truss uh, from Britain. Um, and of course, we had the India-Australia Economic Cooperation and Trade Agreement uh, as well. So a lot to discuss. Hey Nirav, how's it going? All good, all good. Nice the weekend. Is the weather's getting too hot. Yeah, but been following the IPL? Yeah, yeah unfortunately. Like, I'm a Mumbai supporter, two games lost. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. So, so Bangalore supporters have long given up. Uh, I mean, even though they're nursing some <laughs> I'm hopes. I'm joining you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> even though they're nursing some hopes for uh, this year, yeah. right? So, yeah, uh, plenty to discuss. Let's get started with uh, the bit on GST collections. Um, GST collections have hit an all-time high in March with total collections coming up to 1.42 lakh crore. Uh, the gross GST collection in March 2022 breached the earlier record of 1.40 lakh crore. It is the highest ever since the implementation of the new tax system. In a statement, the Ministry of Finance said the revenues for March are 15% higher than the GST revenues in the same month last year and 46% higher than the GST revenues in March 2020. The average monthly gross GST collection for the last quarter of FY22 has been 1.38 lakh crore rupees. Nirav, this is excellent, right? I mean, obviously yeah. the, the government can so, use all of this money. Yes, yes. So actually, you know, uh, India earlier, people used to complain that uh, India did not have good data quality on like say GDP, inflation, etc. So I think the GST number, right, is the highest uh, quality data because it happens every month and two, that it is actual cash payments, right? So uh, businesses are making money and they're paying out. So I think pre-COVID, we were running at about uh, 1 lakh crore number was a good number. And post-COVID, kind of two years was like a little bit of uh, too much noise with a collapse in the economy, then a quick rebound. But I think, see, 1.3 lakh crore onwards is like a good number. So that means we've, we've been growing nominally uh, over this period of time. Obviously, the GST represents one section of the economy. So, for example, agriculture is not a part of GST, fuel taxes or alcohol taxes are not a part. A lot of the, uh, uh, say, essentials are actually exempt from any GST. So, obviously, this shows one particular section of the economy, but it's a very good number to see. Uh, it is timely data collection and maybe every March you see a bump up because there's a financial year end closing, etc. So, maybe there's a bump up, but I would say like a number... 1.3 lakh crore to 1.4 lakh crore is always like a is a nice number that means the economy is doing all fine uh, second thing is from 1st of april so this year there is no uh, compensation for states uh, on the gst collections so earlier from the old regime where you had vat and you had uh, state sales tax etc excise duty uh, there was a compensation given for states that nominally it would increase so what i foresee happening is the states which are doing a little bit better uh, per capita, so I would put like uh, Gujarat, Maharashtra, Karnataka, Tamil Nadu, these four are kind of the stellar states. They will have a little more excess revenue from the state portion of the GST and they will be able to spend better. And this probably hopefully gets into a virtuous cycle. Uh, maybe other states will realize that say what is going wrong and uh, they will try and be a little more business friendly 
which eventually leads to higher tax collections. Uh, and if that tax collection is respent on like welfare and uh, those kind of things, so it's a positive. So I think on the whole, uh, this is a positive number. It's a good trend. And uh, this is like, I would say the canary in the coal mine. If this number dips, it tells you something is wrong, right? So yeah. uh, that's that's the best uh, indicator to look at, in my opinion. Yeah. Harsh Madhusudan, uh, who is also uh, an eminent uh, Bharatvarta guest as well, had a good article in Hindu Business Line, I think, uh, called Big Gains uh, for Small Firms, uh, where he talk, talks about you know how some of the tax burden is reduced on MSMEs and they have more access to structured finance because of this and everything. Um, definitely, definitely a good uh, article to check out. Um, and and there was some also some um, controversy with a lot of these crypto exchanges uh, being uh, you know pulled up for the uh, tax evasion on the GST front. I think uh, something like close to about hundred crores of uh, uh, penalty, fine, interest, everything was collected. I think from the top 11, 10 or eleven uh, exchanges, yeah. right? Yeah. So interesting times. Uh, moving on, the U.S. Deputy National Security Advisor. Uh, Dalip Singh drew flack over the week due to his comments on India-Russia relations. He is considered a key architect of US actions against Russia and was in India last week to discuss ways of improving Indo-US economic cooperation. He stated that the US doesn't want to see, to quote, a rapid acceleration in India's imports from Russia of energy and other commodities prohibited by global sanctions. Moreover, he cautioned India against expecting Russia to come to the country's defense if China were to violate India's border. He also said that he was, to quote, very keen for all countries to not prop up the ruble and not attempt to undermine the dollar-based financial system. Um, well, I mean, we have some big brother-like comments, right? Uh, yeah, what do you have to so, say? So see, first, like I'll go to his comment that Russia won't come helping India, right? So we had Chinese transgressions in Galwan and uh, near Sikkim, Doklam in the last few years, right? At that time, neither Russia nor US, no one came to support us uh, openly, right? So that is one thing. So we have to be sure that, okay, if you say that, oh, Russia won't come supporting us, what can you offer? Second thing is that a lot of our arms, ammunition, and a lot of spare parts uh, for arms are all coming from Russia. So one is, yes, we need to move on and we need to be a lot more self-sufficient or Atmanirbhar on our defense uh, equipment and defense capabilities. But see, whenever actual war happens, you use up a lot of ammunition, you need a lot of spares, and suddenly you need to ramp up that production. And that will only be, be available where all the designs, everything is already available in Russia, right? So we would need a lot more of that. So we need to have a balancing act. See, obviously, Russian economy is half our size. Uh, US economy is way bigger. It's a way, like, we have a lot more cultural ties with the US. We have a lot of people of Indian origin or overseas citizens of India residing there, a lot of NRIs residing there. So uh, absolutely, we need to balance. But the thing is, India needs to maintain its sovereignty. And India needs to kind of say that, see, uh, we need to do what is best for Indians. See, there are no permanent friends. There are no permanent enemies. There are only permanent interests. Right? So, uh, yes, US is used to being like the big brother, but given... Uh, you can't be completely reliant on someone. See what has happened in Afghanistan or see what has happened even in Ukraine where the US said, oh, we'll provide you some arms and equipment, but they're not sending soldiers on the ground. So I think US continues to import uranium from Russia. 
Europe continues to import gas from Russia and oil and gas, right? So these kind of things are, I would say, a bit hypocritical. Uh, yes, obviously, US being a lot more powerful ally, uh, we need to draw like a fine line. Uh, you don't want to be saying something a little too aggressive and uh, hitting back at them, but we need to see that what is our uh, what is our position. And even if, say, for example, uh, India might use uh, rupee ruble conversion to buy oil from Russia, right? I think uh, that is a good thing. See, there has been too much dominance of one. Uh, like, see, post COVID, everybody has realized you cannot have just one. Uh, supplier. So that was China. India cannot just have one supplier for military equipment. That's Russia. We cannot just use like one currency for all global transactions because your accounts could be frozen or you could be sanctioned. So that is the US. So we need a balance. I think, see, these things are going to happen. And India needs to say that at the margin, if we do buy a little more oil from there, or if we use rupees to buy oil, uh, etc., it's in our it's in our favor. If you tell us not to do that, what else do you? What else can you offer that we don't do that, right? And I think there is a part of diplomacy. Obviously, I'm not qualified. This is just, but I think Jay Shankar and team, everyone is doing a fantastic job, right? So I think, uh, see, Dalip Singh is talking from his viewpoint. Uh, you can clearly see that U.S. that Pax Americana is dead. That U.S. can't dictate terms on rest of the world, but we need to play it well, play it, uh, our cards well. To get the best, what is for India? So I think that's that's about it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, and this seems to be a common theme emerging in all interactions uh, with the West, uh, actually, right? Uh, like the exchange with the the external affairs minister S J Shankar and uh, the UK foreign secretary Liz Truss. In response uh, to India buying crude oil from Russia, Mr J Shankar stated that India gets the bulk of our energy supplies from the Middle East. With Russian energy sources, uh, resources making up just a few percentage points of uh, uh, India's exports, India's imports. Sorry, uh, he also pointed out that the major buyers of oil and gas from Russia were from Europe, with the continent buying 15% more oil and gas from Russia in March than previous uh, months. He also called the media attention on our country buying crude as uh, a campaign against India, stating that it is natural for countries to go out and look for good deals in the global market given the rising prices. Uh, Neera, this was a stellar exchange, right? I mean, I oh, yeah. really like absolutely. Know, uh, so I think Minister Jayashankar, yeah. So see, Minister Jayashankar, he's showing like India has a spine, right? Every exchange, I think he's been a statesman, and he's come out there and like he said very clearly that uh, and India is standing up for itself. See, we are we need to behave. So a lot of people in the older generation, uh, etc., are a little bit you know, self-effacing and they are not as confident, etc. And this was also like a whole kind of regime where India India was a poor country, now it's a lower middle income country. We are like the fifth biggest economy. As much as we need the West, the West also needs India, right? Obviously, we are still small enough and uh, so uh, we may not have as much leverage, but we are behaving as if we are part of the big boys club. So that is very important. Uh, we've stated clearly and we've said, you know, see, there is economics behind it. So what if India, actually, to be fair, a lot of the Indian refineries are not even calibrated to Russian oil because the kind of quality of input, the kind of mixture of crude that there is, 
uh, it is difficult to just replace it overnight. You need to shut down the refinery, recalibrate the operating mode, and then. So maybe they buy a little more. Uh, maybe they blend it with the existing imports that we have from Middle East and from the US, right? So uh, this is a very great uh, exchange, and uh, Jay Shankar has actually shown his cards. Let's see. We will do what is best for ourselves, and. Uh, he's calling out the double speak of Europe. So Europe has maybe imported fifteen percent more. Is because they're storing up. Because what if supplies are disrupted? Yeah, and from first exactly. of April, they have to pay in rubles, not in euros, to get Russian oil and gas. So I think that's what uh, they were probably stocking up before that, right? So I think that's what it is. It's a great thing that uh, India is standing up for itself, and the duty of the Indian uh, government is to its own citizens. and yeah. uh, so absolutely if we can get a good deal on energy and we need to play a like a delicate uh, balancing act see uh, as much as uh, see us needs india as a part of the quad uh, uk has broken off from eu and wants to develop uh, better trade relationships with india and they need to understand that we are not going to be negotiating from a point of weakness we try to be equals obviously we are weaker so yes we are not as we don't have the same leverage that they have but that doesn't mean that india can be taken for granted right so i think it's a very good thing uh, obviously you don't have to overplay the hand and without being rude without being abrasive uh, confidently stating what you want and confidently stating that you would do what's best for yourself is a fantastic thing so i think this is a negotiating tactic as well and uh, absolutely kudos to jay shankar i think He's one yeah. of the best performing ministers. Absolutely. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, uh, there is very little rhetoric as such, and when he uses it, I mean, it uses it to very good effect. If uh, if anything, to uh, you know, buttress the facts as such, right? I mean, he he's he's amazing that way. He lays out all of the facts and principles, uh, you know, very very simple, easy to understand manner. And uh, yeah, I mean. You know, considering that I, I don't know what Britain's per capita is probably twenty times India, right? I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. But yeah. the economies so, are so, probably the same. We have, probably we have the same. Yeah. Similar size economy. Yeah, so, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, of course, I mean, we have to look out for the best interests of the Indian people than you know worry about geopolitics and everything. Somehow feels that when there is real real politics from our end, I mean, the 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 West has to revert to some kind of an emotional yeah. uh, blackmail or so, principles and I whatnot. Think, I would like to add a couple of things, right? So similarly, in the UK, uh, they are finance minister, equivalent of finance minister, what they call the treasury secretary, Rishi Sunak, the person of Indian origin, married to Akshata Murthy, Narayan Murthy's daughter, and he was being quizzed that his his yeah. wife owned a company. She's a shareholder, but not the controlling shareholder, and nor is she actually operating the company, which was dealing with Russia and had close links with Russia and. so infosys has 260000 employees of which 100 were there in russia bulk of its revenue is actually come from the us and a little bit from europe and uk yeah. and they have way more employees i think they have like 20 or 1000 employees in the us working on projects so uh, obviously if if at all you would call it you would call it like an american company where bulk of its revenue comes from a lot of their uh, profits are there so and then he was being like dragged on coals on on this part and i think there has been news that infosys decided to shut its russia operations because it's like a really minor thing it's a rounding error right it it won't even show up in their bottom line but uh, this is what is being used and all these emotional tactics are being used but here obviously 
Rishi Sunak is a British citizen. He has to serve, and he's a, a part of the British government. He has to serve what is best for Britain. But Akshata Murthy is a private citizen, and her father Narayan Murthy is not even the CEO anymore, and he's just a controlling, like he's not even a controlling shareholder, right? So he's on the board, and these kind of things are like a business decision. And uh, so absolutely, and it is hypocrisy while the West is still buying oil and gas from uh, yeah. Russia. Yeah. So. i think this has to be called out and uh, i think jay shankar has done a great job in communication yeah so that's that that thing is well yeah no there, there was like tabloid tabloid journalism at its worst right i mean yeah. uh, they, it was laughable i mean they had this picture of uh, narayan murthy shaking hands with vladimir putin and then they built the entire story yeah. around that right pretty crazy uh well moving on uh, imran khan uh, the prime minister of pakistan has yet again emerged in the limelight this time with comments on india ahead of a no trust motion against him mr khan stated that a powerful country supporting india is angry with pakistan for his visit to russia he also stated that the powerful country is supporting india even though we import oil from russia uh, he also said taking independent decisions with the interests of a nation in mind was extremely important rather than submitting to the will of other countries in exchange for foreign aid khan has been claiming that the opposition's no confidence motion against him was the result of a foreign conspiracy because of his independent foreign policy when uh, we move on from one funny story to another right uh, what is uh, imran khan gotten himself to now yeah so i think see uh, this is sometimes uh, everyone knows it that the ones calling the shots are the army right in pakistan and imran khan uh, was propped up by the army because they felt that he was useful to them at that point in time he gave a nice modern face he's a very popular person apart from so he's like the biggest cricketing icon a very big uh, philanthropist like he built a cancer hospital so he was like what people would call like a useful idiot i think lenin probably coined that term they were a useful idiot which served their purpose right and now imran khan kind of against their uh uh against their own wishes uh, army's wishes he went and visited russia so see imran is trying to uh, rebalance uh, the power support uh, us has kind of, after the afghanistan pull out us is not that interested in uh, pakistan as an ally china is their permanent ally and he was trying to rebalance probably with russia i don't know what he was thinking uh maybe there is merit to it or whatever that's their decision so what has happened is that the army has not liked it an army has very good contacts with the us uh, a lot of the coordination in the war in afghanistan was uh, pakistani army helping the us army so i think they have kind of been upset so obviously us is upset with everybody who's kind of dealing with russia but us needs india more right now than they need pakistan yeah so yes obviously the powerful country imran khan is hinting at pakistan uh, at the us and what has happened is he is facing like a no confidence motion and it's a bit of a turmoil right so uh he is doing what probably benefits himself and rightly so and he's kind of giving an example of india and this is very really rare in like my whole life i've hardly i've never seen a pakistani leader talking favorably about india or that india is doing something well so while it may while it is true that uh, india has more leverage uh, i think that's their domestic problem they need to sort it out and uh, i think he is trying and scampering 
to uh, retain control right it is uh, like a very sad thing for the citizens of pakistan where kind of unelected representatives like the army have a much bigger control over their uh, country's uh, policy and economy so uh, it is what it is uh, imran khan is just trying to garner some sympathy or some this thing it also probably reflects what the average pakistani thinks about india now like while earlier they used to consider india as like a lesser developed or a poorer country now they are seeing that india has a little more spine a little more powerful so over the last 30 40 years this actual transition has happened so i think that's about it to be fair pakistan while being our neighbor is really like one seventh our economy and we should not be talking too much about them <laughs> it doesn't yeah. we have hardly any trade we need to move on they might be our neighbor but you know like Well, it's best to kind of ignore them or ignore their comments. Yeah, no, and he also has a knack of saying things like this once a while. I think so. Yeah. I think earlier, a few months back, he had said something to the effect of Prime Minister Modi has very strong leadership or something like that. Yeah. Right? So, so well, okay. Hope uh, his troubles sort itself out. Um, in some good news, India and Australia have signed a comprehensive free trade agreement, uh, termed as the Economic Cooperation and Trade Agreement. it covers almost all the tariff lines dealt dealt in by india and australia these include areas such as trade in goods and services technical barriers to trade customs procedures pharmaceutical products and cooperation in other areas india will benefit from preferential market access provided by australia on 100% of its tariff lines some industries that can benefit from from this include jewelry textiles leather footwear food and agricultural products medical devices and automobiles from australia side industries such as coal mineral ore and wines will benefit um australia has offered wide ranging commitments in 135 subsectors and marked india as a most favored nation in 120 subsectors which cover india's areas of interest such as education health audiovisual and it some interesting additions include special quota for chefs and yoga teachers and work and holiday visa arrangement for young professionals um so we we saw the trade agreement with uae signed earlier yeah. right now this is 2 for 2 in in less than a yeah. year yes yes i think see the indian economy is having its like uh, reforms 2.0 so like 1991 was like one big kick i think the seeds were sown in 1980s when like maruti and hero honda or honda came to india to set up hero honda etc and so we are seeing this second part right uh, bharat vartha podcast has spoken a lot about pli semiconductors etc but we can only be an export powerhouse if we have ftas in place so i think this is a great one uh, india actually had a little more leverage because we've exempted like a few agri products which australia can uh, export to us without tariffs so those were like dairy uh, some other agri goods specifically chickpeas which i think australia grows a lot i, I wasn't aware of it so one good thing to rejoice is australian wines are fantastic so yes they will be cheaper in india uh, but the second thing is what we expect on exports today is what india exports the most which is say probably gems and jewelry uh, auto parts and pharmaceuticals but we also have pli set up in a lot of other industries as well right so maybe this gives a little bit of uh, demand for say textiles say for uh semiconductor parts and electronic equipment right india now is a very large mobile phone manufacturer so there are few good things one is australia wants to uh, diversify away from china where it buys bulk of its uh, so australian trade if you really look at it 
is negligible with uh, rest of the world it supplies china with iron ore uh, coking coal and uh, uh, other raw materials other metals and in return it buys all manufactured goods from china right so they want to diversify away india is seen as a very good ally uh, second thing it very important on the timing uh, it's a comprehensive fta and not like an a uh, small mini fta within principle yeah. some which uh, to add uh, this is very critical because australia is going for elections in may and uh, mm-hmm. prime minister scott morrison may or may not win so i'm not taking sides on the uh, australian politics but his government rushed through to get this done before the next uh, government is formed because then it would be either starting from scratch or traditionally the labor party has been a little more pro china versus the liberal party where scott morrison has been a little bit more pro india in the recent years so they have rushed this through and this has been signed so that's a fantastic thing i think that's uh, helps india as well and uh, finally uh, as like china is slowing down and as like it's over construction or the property sector is slowing down so they would need less steel and they would need less uh, coking coal india has a lot of thermal coal for power plants but india does not have coking coal which is used in steel uh manufacturing so i think india gets india was already importing from australia and indians were paying higher duties now we'll be paying a little bit lower duties so it helps the consumer overall right so i think this is great we've signed deals with uae now we've signed deals with australia so there's a learning curve for the ministry of commerce if piyush goel another very high performing minister uh we have deals in pipelines with say saudi arabia uh with israel so they want to have a have a indo abrahamic corridor uh, we have a deal in the pipeline with the uk which kind of is going through choppy waters because of this whole ukraine thing but uh, this gives us the template right uh, that okay we uh, we all learn like how do you negotiate how do you sign a contract how do you protect your own interests and see what is mutually beneficial so i think india instead of uh, like this is like the china moment for india i feel china had a very big moment in uh, 2000 2001 where it joined the wto and kind of opened up to trade with the whole world what india is doing is piecemeal going one by one uh, one of the things is india has a few constraints where uh, opening up agriculture would be very much against uh, indian interests especially because uh, 65% or 50 to 65% of our population is earning livelihood there right we cannot have that big a shock uh we couldn't even pass some laws on agriculture which are actually beneficial to it so there's a bit of stasis there so india doesn't have that degree of freedom but we are trying and working around it and i think uh so coupled with the pli schemes and uh with these ftas india might actually have a trade surplus in goods or reach a trade balance in goods we always had a trade surplus in services but uh, we could be the export powerhouse and the world wants to diversify away from china so i think india is the only country with this size this scale uh, which can offer an alternative so uh, that's what it is uh, it's a great great sign and uh, hope there'll be like many more of such ftas to come yeah absolutely i think uh, there's a lot more we can talk about uh, perhaps on a separate episode itself on the ftas right uh, yeah, um, yeah. you know ones that have been signed and the ones that are in the pipeline might likely happen uh, during the course of the year All right, so that uh, with that we come to the end of uh, a short weekly, uh, right? Uh, thank you so much, uh, Nirav. It was uh, insightful as always. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us, and we have a couple of episodes coming out uh, the week, uh, you know, this week. 
we'll let you know on our uh, social media channels uh, share and subscribe all of the good stuff thank you again and see you next week